Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, November the 17th in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we continue Year C, Proper Week 29, which is the Reign of Christ Sunday. It's also the 24th Sunday after Pentecost and on the Thursday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the New Testament letter passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary and this week of the church's calendar year. So we found ourselves in a new book in the Pauline corpus, if you will. Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. Um, I think by my count, this is episode 845 on Winter Eyes. So we've probably covered Colossians 1 before. So we're going to have to do it again because uh, the lectionary says so. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making this party of morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. By being strengthened through his glorious might, so that you can endure everything and have patience, and by giving thanks with joy to the Father, he made it so you could take part in the inheritance and light granted to God's holy people. He rescued us from the control of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. He set us free through the Son and forgave our sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the one who was first over all creation, because all things were created by him, both in the heavens and on the earth. The things that are visible and the things that are invisible, whether they are thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He existed before all things, and all things are held together in him. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the one who was first born from among the dead, so that he might occupy the first place in everything. Because all the fullness of God was pleased to live in him, and he reconciled all things to himself through him, whether things on earth or in, in the heavens. He brought peace through the blood of his cross. This is the word of God for us. I think one of the common assumptions about the, the ministry of Jesus and then the ministry of the early church is that they tended to create some sort of a commotion with their preaching and their teaching and with the way in which God demonstrably moved uh, through their witness and then the way that they conducted their life, which is was a bit counter to the rest of the patterns of life around them. So there seemed to be this like disruption that they gave and then there was this need then to ex- to explain themselves like why are things like they are in your community and why are you saying these things and so there was always like an action and there was an inquiry and so i think there was a a significant burden on the early apostles and the early leaders of the church to try to get to the bottom of what was going on and to be sure there was it was probably a flurry of activity Um, they were probably learning in the moment Um, some suggest that Paul was the first Christian theologian, right? So he's trying to make sense of the ancient Jewish scriptures, the modern events surrounding Jesus, and the way in which the message of Jesus was surprisingly warming the hearts of not just Jews, but also non-Jews around him. So he's trying to make sense of it all. And sometimes I feel like his letters, particularly letters when he addresses things from a high level, he has to feel like a CEO 
of a, a sprawling company. It doesn't have to be a large company, but just maybe a company that's in multiple locations. And it's like the shareholders meeting and the podium is there. And there's been like 45 minutes slotted to give sort of a summary of um, what has happened, who are we, and where are we going from here? So Paul finds himself in a similar place uh, as he writes to the uh, church in Colossae. Uh, Colossae is an Asia Minor, relatively new frontier in um, the missionary journeys of Paul. Um, Colossae is locked in a trade triangle with the major city Ephesus and places like Laodicea that are mentioned in the book of Revelation. And so Colossae was like in this new territory. Um, and there may have been a sense um, that uh, there were some Jews um, there also in the city of Colossae. There might have been a synagogue. And so one of the original uh, things we have to try to figure out or uh, what scholars are trying to figure out is what is the ministry occasion that Paul is writing to? Um, what is he trying to address? And early on, I remember like doing a, a, a comprehensive study in our instructional Bible study back at Sterling College in the year 2000, 2001 with um, Irma Pruto, one of the favorite professors around there. And she had us do Colossians section by section. And in her mind, uh, the issue that was going on in the church in Colossae was the early start to Gnosticism. Uh, you could just Wikipedia that, but make sure you put a G in front of Gnosticism. And uh, there's a sense where um, the church is beginning to grapple with one of the major opponents it's going to have in the second century, third century. Uh, Irma said that um, maybe what's happened in the church in Colossae is the early germs uh, to some of these things. Uh, some other scholars suggest that there's actually like this Jewish asceticism that's beginning to creep into the church. Uh, where there's going to be this overemphasis and the meticulous observance of holidays and festivals and uh, personal purity rituals and the things of that nature. So it's not this um, stew of philosophy and religion like Gnosticism, but it's this kind of overbearing and snobbish spirituality of maybe from a Jewish sect within the community. And so Paul is trying to make sense of it all, recognizing that this issue is not uh, the same issue maybe in Ephesus the same one in Thessalonica and other places where he's been. So he has to try to make two things happen at once, a high level what the church is doing, what the, you know, the movement of Jesus is, and then what's what's the, uh, like a to-do for the church in Colossae. So what does Paul do first is that he tries to put Jesus in the middle of it all, right? And he's got a varied audience. He's got people who are Jews who knew uh, the Old Testament scriptures, and he also has non-Jews. We have no idea about that, but they have some religious contours and conversations of their own. And so Paul says that at a high level, Jesus is at the center of all things. Um, there's a couple of different ways that he does this in Colossians chapter one. He says that Jesus is the head of all things. Okay, He's the firstborn from among the dead. He has uh, some translations call it supremacy. Uh, this translation says he's first in everything. He's primary everything. So before anything was, Jesus was there. All things came into being through Jesus. Uh, Jesus is also the author of salvation. So not only does existence belong to Jesus, but now this recreation, this fixing and restoration of the world is also found in Jesus. I think it was uh, Karl Barth, uh, the famous uh, Christian theologian, the neo-Orthodox theologian. He famously said, Jesus is the answer to the question. Now, now, what is the question again, <laughs> right? So before you, it's like the Sunday school answer, right? Like just, the answer is Jesus. So Jesus is the answer to all things. And so Paul's like, hey, um, whether you wherever you find yourself, if you find yourself, you know, able to like 
rattle off your lineage uh, in the Jewish community. Or if you're a Roman citizen, uh, you have no idea about the prophet Isaiah or the patriarch Abraham. Uh, Wherever you find yourself in that spectrum, those two extremes, uh, you still come to the same destination. You still come to Jesus. Um, I love the way that uh, Lynn Sweet talked about this. He said, uh, in Christianity, truth is not uh, primarily a proposition or an idea. The truth is a person. And we see that in John 14, 6, where Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so whenever Christians talk about truth, uh, we might quibble about uh, truth statements or propositions or phrases or points in a sermon or points in an argument. That's fine. But that's secondary. What's primary is Jesus. Now, the way that the gospel writers do this, particularly John, is he says that uh, Jesus is God who took on flesh and he moved in among us, uh, John chapter 1. And uh, what does this look like? Uh, John says when you go through the next several stories from late later in John 1 all the way through John 3 up in John 4, what it looks like is Jesus is popping up in a wide array of places like a, a wedding celebration in Cana or uh, next to the pool of Bethesda to heal someone who's been paralyzed for some years. Or he finds himself uh, next to a well in Samaria talking to a woman with a checkered past. And so the way John says it is like, uh, you know, Jesus, you might just find him anywhere, right? And so Paul's saying the same thing. He's saying it from more of a philosophical platform and perspective that Jesus is the center of all things. So if you want to grow in the arts and sciences, start with Jesus. If you want to uh, grow in the social sciences or psychology, start with Jesus. Jesus is our start and he's also our end. Whereas John the Revelator said, he's the alpha and he is the omega, right? And that's the thing, it's what you and I experience as Christians. I mean, maybe it takes a while as we get into the faith. What we find is that uh, as we look in hindsight over our lives, uh, we do see that Jesus is in the midst of it all. Um, Jesus has been there for us, and uh, Jesus is there to give us wisdom in tense moments. Um, he's there when our uh, when we feel faint, we don't know what to do. Like he's the, he's the one who's guiding and directing us. Uh, Jesus is giving us guides at the right time. Maybe it's a boss at work, or maybe it's a coach on a team. Uh, Jesus is giving things to us. He's blessing us. He's giving things to our good for our good. And so, where we start um, in a moment of prayer. As we reflect on Colossians chapter one, is a place of gratitude. We say, "Hey Jesus, I think think that you're always there." And Jesus, I ask, have this request too, that you meet me today, so I can follow you once again. So, with all these things in mind, spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we get closer to Reign of Christ Sunday, uh, we acknowledge that you reign over all of us. Uh, You don't reign in obscurity where you've taken a throne, disinterested uh, with the rest of existence and what's going on in life. We thank you that you arrive among us. And we thank you that um, even though you're before all things, and even though that you're primary in all things, and even though that you're the firstborn from among the dead, all these acolytes that are enshrined upon you, we thank you that you're our friend. And you come to us and you help us and you heal and restore us. And so God, this day, uh, we confess to you that we need you once more. We are grateful that you've been there with us. As we look back over our lives through the corridors, the ins and the outs, the ups and the downs, you have been there. But we also thank you that we can come to you once more today and acknowledge that uh, there's going to be things ahead that we're not quite ready for or things that we're going to need your strength in, uh, ways in which you're going to need to teach us something new today in order for us to be faithful 
And so God, this day, we set apart this moment and we invite you to be among us and to be with us. And I pray that as you come among us, that your kindness would lead us to repentance and a mind change. I pray that we'd be strengthened with your power for the work ahead today. We also pray that you might work within the outworking of today, an opportunity for us to bear witness to who you are, uh, to a friend or through a co-worker, through a, just an action without words. Uh, we just pray that you would glorify your own name in our, in our lives. And I pray that there might be a sense within our own souls that we're a part of something greater than ourselves. And so God, today we hand ourselves over to you once more. We pray that you would consume us and live through us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.